and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. This is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, September 7th, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. We're once again joined by our multi-partisan panel of area residents for a discussion of the upcoming elections. This group has been joining me on Maine Currents once or twice a month since spring to discuss candidates and issues from their various political viewpoints. And they've done an incredible job listening to each other and keeping the discussion civil despite their differences, a feat that really seems surprising these days in this media climate. Today we're going to be talking about question one on Maine's ballot in November, the marijuana legalization referendum question. But before we get into that, we're going to have the panelists introduce themselves. And as a follow-up to a question that we got last time around and didn't have time to address, we're going to have them each just say a few words about their candidate's running mate. Neither of our Hillary Clinton supporters were able to make it today, so Tim Wilson will be doing the honors for Tim Kaine. Uh, Let's start with Renee this time. We'll start on my left. Okay. Hi. I'm, I'm Renee from Franklin, and um, I am a Republican-leaning libertarian these days. And um, a few words about Bill Weld, who is the vice presidential um, running mate for Gary Johnson. Um, you know, the reason I'm, I'm behind him is because he's for the grassroots. He's for the... Um, the libertarian principles of uh, government being less intrusive in all areas of our lives and also, you know, being for lower taxes. Bill Weld cut taxes 21 times in Massachusetts where he was governor. He he won his first election with 51% of the vote and he was reelected with 71% of the vote, which is, um, you know, nothing to sneeze at. And this was in 1990 and 1994. And, um, you know, he tends to serve the people, not just the voters from his party. So, you know, that would be in line with all libertarian principles. And um, I don't want to take up too much time, so I'm going to pass to Dave. All right. Dave. Sure. My name is Dave Gooley. I'm from Blue Hill. I am the Hancock County State Committee man at large uh, representing the State Committee and the main GOP. I support Donald Trump for president and Michael Pence for vice president and to... Speak to Michael Pence. I'd like to say that uh, in Indiana, they are currently running a $2 billion surplus. They have the highest credit rating in the nation. They've cut taxes every year since he became governor. They have fewer state employees, and businesses, large and small, have created nearly 150,000 new jobs. I kept that part small because I was hoping to promote just a couple of events that will be coming up. One is we're having a Celebrate America concert, 3 p.m., Sunday, September 18th at the Grand in Ellsworth. Tickets are $18. This is uh, in honor of uh, Phil and Grace Shea, and we'll honor also our uh, military and first responders. And also we will be having a Trump-Pence sign wave on uh, the 10th. That's this coming Saturday from 11 to 1 at the SK Whiting Park in Ellsworth. Thanks, Dave. Tim. Hi, Tim Wilson from Belfast, Maine. I'm a former third-degree burner. I guess I'm still a third-degree burner, but uh, which is uh, a heavy-duty Bernie Sanders supporter. It's heavy-duty Bernie Sanders show, supporter. Yeah. yeah, that's that's hardcore. Now supporting Jill Stein for president. But uh, today I'm introducing Tim Kane. Uh, he grew up in Kansas City. He was the oldest of three sons. His dad was an iron worker and small business owner, and his mom was a teacher. 
Uh, he's a Catholic, went to a Jesuit high school. He was on the debate team, then president of his class. He went on to the University of Missouri, where he completed his degree in economics in three years and graduated summa cum laude, so he's smart and he's a hard worker. He went on to Harvard Law. Uh, after his first year at Harvard Law, he took a year off to go to the Honduras to help the Jesuits run a vocational school for boys. He led the school and also taught welding and carpentry and became fluent in Spanish. Um, after returning to Harvard, he met Ann Holton, uh, and they were a thing. Uh, and it just, she was a good catch. I mean, her dad was the uh, governor of Virginia, uh, former governor of Virginia, and senior partner of his own law firm of McCandlish and Holton. Uh, he's a dad. He has two boys and a girl. And after earning his law degree in '83, they were married in '84 and moved in back to Virginia to, to her hometown of Richmond. He practiced law for 17 years, specializing in housing discrimination. He was also very involved in homeless issues. Um, his political career started in 1994. He was elected to the city council, then mayor in 98, lieutenant governor in 2001. I'm abbreviating here as quick as I can. Um, in 2006, he was elected governor of the state of Virginia and served in that until 2010. Along the way, he made the short list to, to be President Obama's VP. Um, and while he lost out on the VP slot, he was given the consolation prize of becoming Democratic National Committee Chair in 2009. Uh, he stepped down in 2011, ostensibly to run for the Senate, which and he, what he did run for the Senate. Um, but some people note that he stepped aside in order to install the Hillary's campaign, former campaign manager at the top of the DNC, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Whatever the case, he was elected uh, Senator from Virginia in 2012. Uh, his positions are complex and they're moderate. Um, in general, he goes with the flow and avoids taking any controversial stands. So he's okay on the environment and climate change. He agrees that climate is changing, that human activity is a cause of it, but he's also for offshore drilling and fracking uh, and clean coal. Um, as a Catholic, he says he's personally opposed to abortion, but in office he supports women's rights and he has a perfect score from Planned Parenthood. Um, he's strongly opposed to capital punishment personally, but he allowed 11 executions during his term as governor. He's a gun owner who wants expanded uh, background checks, limited magazine capacity, limitations on combat weapons. I uh, changed his position on same-sex marriage in 2013 to support it. And he's for our existing military interventions but wants to wind down Afghanistan. He supported the diplomatic agreement with Iran, nuclear uh, technology development, says he's pro-union, has a 96% rating from the AFL-CIO, but as governor in Virginia, he supported the right right to lie. So, in short, he's a smart, hard-working politician. He's moderate in his stances, follows the polls, and is a member of the Democratic Party establishment in good standing. Okay. Thanks, Tim. And thanks for, for winding that up. We have a guest on the phone line, but we're going to have Betsy uh, talk about the Green Party vice presidential candidate, and she also has a couple of announcements. And then uh, thanks for bearing with us, our guest on the phone line that we'll get to in just a moment. Thanks, Tim. Um, hi, this is Betsy Gerald. I'm the New England Regional Coordinator for the Stein Baraka campaign, and I have I'm going to read from Ajamu's uh, official biography. A human rights defender whose experience spans four decades of domestic and international education and activism, Ajamu Baraka is a veteran grassroots organizer whose roots are in the black liberation movement and anti-apartheid and Central American solidarity struggles. Baraka was the founding executive director of the U.S. Human Rights Network from July 2004 to June 2011. The network was the first domestic human rights formation in the United States explicitly committed to the application of international human rights standards to the U.S. Baraka has taught 
political science at various universities and has been a guest lecturer at ac academic institutions in the U.S. and abroad, a commentator on a number of criminal justice and international human rights issues. Baraka has appeared on and been covered by a wide range of print, broadcast, and digital media outlets. He is currently, currently, other than being the vice presidential candidate, an editor and contributing columnist for the Black Agenda Report and a writer for Counterpunch. Um, and uh, the announcement that I want to make is that Dr. Jill Stein is going to be in the state of Maine, hooray, next, a week from today, on the 14th. She will be at um, the University of Maine at Orono in the Corbett Business Building, room set 117 at 12.30, and then in the evening at the University of Southern Maine in Portland at 6 p.m. at the Abramson Center. So we hope to see a bunch of you come out for those events. All right. Thanks, everybody. As I said, our regular Hillary Clinton supporters, neither one of the two alternating folks who represent um, Hillary Clinton supporters were available today. And uh, hopefully that answers the question that a listener had last time about the vice presidential candidates. So today we're going to be talking about question one on Maine's ballot. It, it's going to read... Quote, do you want to allow the possession and use of marijuana under state law by persons who are at least 21 years of age and allow the cultivation, manufacture, distri distribution, testing, and sale of marijuana and marijuana products subject to state regulation, taxation, and local ordinance? Alicia Melnick, political director for Yes on One and the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol, is joining us today. She's going to be with us for the full hour, so uh, listeners will have an opportunity to ask her questions when we open the phone lines a little bit later. And, uh, and our guests in the studio, our, our multi-partisan uh, panel, will have some questions for her as well. Welcome to Maine Currents, Alicia. Thanks so much for having us on. And uh, thanks for your patience with our, our longer-than-usual introductions. Uh, why should people vote yes on one? Let's start there. Um, well, you know, people will have a tremendous opportunity in Maine to continue to be a leader um, in this industry and on this public health issue. Um, voting yes on question one will make marijuana legal for adults. And it will increase patient access. It will free up law enforcement to focus on serious and violent crime that actually threatens our communities. It will reserve our criminal laws for those acts that actually threaten our communities. And it will generate millions to fund vital services like education. All right. I'm going to let the guests in studio ask you some questions and also let listeners know that in about 10 minutes, we're going to be at 420, not ironically. We're going to be joined by uh, Don Christian of the Maine Vocals, who is uh, going to state the case for why he feels people should not vote for question one. Uh, he'll be with us for about five or 10 minutes. And then once he's done, because we only have two phone lines into the studio, we're going to have to let him go. And at that point, we'll be able to open the phone lines and uh, take questions from listeners as well. So that'll probably be roughly halfway through the program. Uh, Betsy, did you have a question for Alicia? Uh, no, I was just I was leaning forward to make sure I got her name right. But um, yeah, I, hi Alicia, the Betsy Garrell from the Maine Greens, and as you know, the Maine Greens um, have come out um, in favor of of this referendum. Um, but it has caused some controversy in the marijuana community itself. And as a uh, executive director of a organization that supports small farmers, I'd, I'd like to hear you address the impact that it's going to have on small farmers who have for years um, used mar uh, cannabis as their cash crop, kind of. So, Sure. Well, I think, you know, for those, um, for those farmers in Maine who have been cultivating marijuana 
for years and for some for decades. Um, this will give them the legal protection they need to do their job and uh, and protect this incredible industry for, you know, legitimize um, this, this incredible industry um, and create more opportunities for Maine farmers. Again, you know, if we, if we pass this question in November, we'll be a leader in the Northeast and we can continue to shape the landscape um, for, for marijuana cultivation and distribution. Um, there's also a lot of environmental issues, you know, that come along with especially illegal grows. And, and we think that question one, that, that making marijuana legal for adult use will help uh, combat some of those problems as well. Anyone else have any questions? Uh, can you just f follow up on the impact, the environmental impact? I don't understand that. Sure. There's, um, there's a lot of concerns about illegal grows and about use of, use of pesticides and, and um, other products that might harm the environment or, or um, harm patients. And one of the components of, of the initiative would require testing of products. So, and uh, as you know, the, the Maine Organic Farmers at Mosca have just are just starting a trial program for um, clean a clean cannabis program for you know really clean organic production. And I think again, Maine farmers are are, are really well poised to be leaders in this industry and provide um, safe quality medication for seriously ill Mainers as well as for other uses. I guess, I'll, yeah, I guess I'll weigh in because everybody's staring at me. Um, <laughs> Just because you're so pretty. <laughs> no, I think everybody's staring at me because they know I'm, I'm kind of against this, um, this whole initiative. And, uh, and I'll just say that as a, as a libertarian, this is where I part ways with the libertarians because I'm positive that they support legalization. Um, I, however, have my uh, reservations, although I, I know it'll, you know, for a fact that it will increase the tax base. That'll be a good thing for Maine. Um, my, I have to come down on the side of, of the children, interestingly enough. Um, you know, I just feel that uh, they'll see marijuana as being more a more acceptable thing than it already is. And um, that scares the heck out of me. Uh, because our children um, are already falling prey to a really serious o opioid um, epidemic here in the state of Maine. I just, um, I, you know, I, I hate to normalize drug use in any, in any way, shape, or form. And um, with the disintegration of our family systems that we're seeing in today's society, it, it scares me. So that's all I'll say. Um, I, I'm a, a mom of two young kids. My son started kindergarten yesterday. I share your commitment to our children and your concern about the opioid crisis and how it's been impacting Maine people for uh, for years now, including Maine youth. Um, and I would just want to make sure that you understand that those of us that support Yes on One and are working toward Yes on One have our children in mind when we are supporting and crafting this proposal. Um, part of what we've learned is that in other states that have legalized, youth use hasn't gone up at all. And in fact, there's um, having, and that's a simultaneous to youth feeling like there's less risk associated with marijuana use. So those things can, can happen simultaneously. Um, youth can have a, a realistic understanding of the risk the actual risks and benefits, potential benefits of marijuana use. Um, 
and still make the decision not to not to use marijuana. We know a lot about ways to combat um, youth engaging in risk-taking behaviors, including ensuring that they have strong, positive adults in their lives, positive peer groups and activities, that they're not exposed to childhood trauma. Those are the sorts of things that really protect our youth from engaging in risk-taking behaviors. And we've also learned a lot from, for example, the tobacco industry about how to protect against, you know, uh, advertising that's targeted towards young people, Um, child-proof packaging. There's things that we've learned in other industries as well that um, we can take advantage of to ensure that, um, that yes on one will actually protect our youth and, and decrease access. Um, our youth already have a lot of access to, to marijuana, and um, this will provide the resources to get it off the street corner, get it behind the counter, and um, put some smart public education and enforcement resources in place. Well, uh, this is Dave from Blue Hill. Uh, I guess I would kind of oppose your your what you what you said earlier because I read a report that indicated that the emergency room in Parkview Hospital in Colorado, which you know they've they've legalized it, they've seen a fifty one percent increase in children under eighteen that tested positive, and nearly half of all their newborns born in the hospital also tested positive for prenatal marijuana exposure. So I. The, the department, the Colorado Department of Public Health has put out a very recent study showing that youth use has not increased. If, that, if anything, it's decreased slightly since marijuana was legalized. And um, I think there's possibly some reasons why, um, and it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's actually relative, you know, really small numbers. Any number, obviously, is not a number we want to see, but we're not talking about, you know, rampant calls to, to ER. Um, but part of what there could be different reasons for that, including the fact that because marijuana is now legal, um, people feel comfortable, you know, uh, sharing that information with medical professionals in a way that men might not otherwise. But I, I would also say, again, that we have things to learn from other states. Um, states that legalized early on, you know, first or second, have learned some things about how to uh, better guard against youth exposure and youth access. There are things that can be done around, um, you know, childproof packaging, ensuring that, um, for you know, ensuring that marketing, um, whether the products themselves, the way that they're designed or the way that they're advertised, don't um, appeal to young people. Um, so again, I think we can learn from other states and we can put regulations in place that will that will protect main use. You know, drug dealers don't ID kids. Um, regulated, tax, you know, legitimate stores will. Tim Wilson, before we get our other guest on the phone line, did you have any comments or thoughts about this? Go ahead and grab that mic. I guess, Alicia, um, how dangerous is marijuana? Is marijuana really a dangerous drug is my my question. I mean, how many people OD on marijuana? How many people die in the U.S.? How many people are convicted of driving under the influence or uh, versus how many people are, say, framed for small amounts of marijuana, having their life wrecked with misdemeanors and felonies uh, Mm -hmm. and... Things like that. I just was wondering what kind of stats you have on on those issues. Yeah, well, you know, in, in answer to your first question, there has never been any report of anyone um, overdosing and dying or having any kind of permanent um, health impact from marijuana. So, in terms of you know the safety of of marijuana, um, I think you know people can draw their own conclusions in comparison to some of the other legal products out on the market. Um, 
And, you know, Mainers are still being subject to citation and arrest for marijuana possession. I think in 2014, there were nearly 3,000 adults who were, um, according to FBI statistics, who were arrested for marijuana possession charges. So, as you said, these are charges uh, and convictions that can lead to very serious lifelong consequences that, you know, create barriers to housing, employment, education, um, loans, and, and really puts a mark on their, on their record um, in ways that are really damaging. Alicia, could I chime in here very quickly? Sure. Uh, this is Renee. Um, you know, while, while people don't get DWIs from marijuana or overdose from it, I have yet to meet one drug addict who didn't start with marijuana. And I'm talking about serious drug addicts and alcoholics, too, by the way. I think, you know, I, I beg to differ, but I think if you, if you go ahead and take a, a look at the research, the gateway theory has been widely debunked um, in publication after publication. I'm happy, you know, you know to, to provide I, I don't really care about the publications. I'm on the front lines, and I see this every day. And, I, you know, I, I just I can see where publications might conflict with reality. But if These you're... Are, I'm talking about, you know, you know, scientific research that shows the vast majority of people that use marijuana never go on to use hard drugs, never go on to become addicted. But the um, converse can also be true, uh, even though it's a smaller subsection. If, if what you're looking at is a group of people who are drug addicts, mm-hmm. that you might say of those people who are drug addicts, a large majority of them maybe did start, I don't know if that's true, you know, if with marijuana, but conversely, of all of the people who tried marijuana, a very small percentage went on to be drug addicts. I think that's where the two yes. of you probably would agree. Is that correct? Well, yes. And I guess I go back to what I said before. My understanding is that the real causal effect, when you look at, at the types of factors that um, might might be predictive in someone becoming addicted to drugs in their life, are things like early high, early childhood trauma lack of, of positive adults in their lives. You know what? I, um, not always. We're, we're going we're gonna to okay, we're gonna stop this right here because we've got, had another guest on the line for like mm-hmm. the next five minutes and he only has another five minutes or so to be with us. So we're going to cut it off there. We can get back to some of these issues. But Don Christian, founder of Maine Vocals, is with us now by phone. Uh, he can only be with us for this short time because we need to open up the phone. Li- we only have the two phone lines into the studio. And unfortunately, <clears throat> so we have to uh, have him give him his chance to speak. And then we can open the phone lines for callers. We well, invited him because to, uh, some pro-marijuana activists actually oppose question one. And we want to hear why. So welcome, Don. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I'm so, glad to be here. And uh, for my time. The uh, marijuana prohibition was based solely on myth and lies from the 1920s and 30s, and all of the the things that have been said about it have been debunked and proved um, as lies and myths. You can say that it's a a starting point, and and all that's uh, an arguable thing, but uh, the problem here is, is, is that it was based on lies and myth, and none of the science adds up today, and it's time to change that. Is uh, marijuana a safe uh, substance for use or not, period? What, um, what are your, uh, your issues specifically with question one, with well, the, my, this my legislation? Well, my issues are is, is that there's no mention of, of what I just said, that the law is wrong and it needs to be um, eliminated because it's, it's uh, BS. And the thing is, is there's no mention of that in the bill. It doesn't, it doesn't set anybody free from jail. It doesn't offer pardons to the people that have been abused by the system. Um, and, and
and you know I think there should be some type of an apology uh, to the total public of the United States and to the world that this has been a bunch of BS for the last hundred years, and now it's time to get rid of it. Not because we want to make money on it and have business and, and that sort of thing. We're going to get rid of it because the law is wrong and it never should have been in the first place. And that's not even mentioned in that bill. It's all about control and money is what this whole bill is about. And it's going to eliminate um, different people that are now caregivers. There's over 2,000 caregivers in the state of Maine on the medical plan. And, and the, the plan with the state is that they're going to have 60 grow operations of large proportion. And that's it. Well, if you're not in that 60, what happens to you? Well, you're going to be uh, out of luck. Well, the thing is, is the law says we can't grow a pot now, and people are doing it whether the law you know, likes it or not, and the people are going to say the same thing when they make all these regulations. So prohibition is never going to go away. People are going to still keep doing the things, and people are still going to be put in jail for this ridiculous law that should never have been in the first place. Do you have any, any questions for Alicia while you're both on the line? Because you can hear and, and interact with each other if you want. Well... We're on the opposite sides of, of the spectrum here, and, and I know that um, the main people would have voted for a good law as well as this law that they've put in front of them. The people, people need to be free. It's got to be a free market, and, and the, the number one thing is, is we're not going to be buying and selling and partying while people are sitting in jail because of this law still holding them in jail, and that's wrong. This is... This is out-of-state ideas that have been brought into the state of Maine by people just coming in and, and wanting to have their way with us. We, 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 the people of the state of Maine, want a good bill, and, and uh, we deserve a good bill, because this should never have been in the first place. And, and if it takes a little bit longer to get a good bill, then uh, so be it. But uh, this one here is, is not going to help the state of Maine. If they vote this in, um, it's going to be hard to get rid of uh, in the long run. And what we need to do is start out with a good bill, not something that we have to work on right from the get-go. So, Don, you're, it sounds like your major concerns uh, are that the commercialization uh, in the bill on question one would allow for uh, more of the permits to go to commercial growers than the small-time growers that we have now. And secondly, that there's no provision for amnesty for people who are in jail already for uh, marijuana-related crimes. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, and, and letting the people out of jail. Say nothing about the amnesty. But but the thing is, is is the people who don't get to be on this this sixty-person list that's going to have the large grows, they're just going to go ahead and grow their weed just like they do now. I mean, the laws it's against the law now, and they're still doing it. So. What's, you know, it's not going to make much difference once you put regulations in place. They're not going to care about that. If you exclude them, then they're going to say to hell with you. We're going to do it anyway. Listeners, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. We've got our multi-partisan roundtable here in the studio. Again, we've been meeting since spring talking about uh, issues that are going to be facing us in November's election. Right now we're talking about question one on the Maine ballot. We've got Renee Trust, who's a libertarian. Uh, we have Dave Gulia, who is a Trump supporter, Republican. Uh, Tim Wilson, who is was a Bernie Sanders supporter, third-degree burner, he calls himself, uh, who's now uh, going green. And we have Betsy Gerald from the Green Party. Jill Stein supporter. On the phone with us, we have Elisa Melnick, the political director for Yes on One, and we're also, we've just been joined by Don Christian, uh, founder of the Main Vocals. Elisa, I want, uh, want before we let Don go to give you a chance to respond to any of the issues that he's brought up, if the two of you want to have an exchange. Sure. 
Sure. Um, I would just say that I think we actually agree on a lot more than we disagree on. And I hear, I know he's extremely passionate about this issue, as as am I. And we're both passionate about some of the same things, which is, you know, and you know, I agree. People have been growing marijuana in Maine for for a long time, and will continue to grow marijuana. Um, and and I think it's you know it's time that we take the opportunity to put marijuana behind the counter and and you know uh, benefit from from the tax revenue, benefit from the jobs and the industries that it will stimulate, um, and ensure that there are protections in place to, to keep it out of the hands of our kids. So again, I think we agree on on more than we disagree. Um, you know, there are some details that I know that that he's concerned about. There's opportunity in the, in the legislation in the proposal to increase the amount of the growth. It's not meeting the needs, but there is a desire to ensure that um, that there's not so much production that it flows, you know, kind of outside of the legal market. Um, but again, I think it's time to to bring those growers into the legal market where they can be seen and considered as the legitimate business people that, you know, that they are. Don, do you want to have a last word before we let you go? And also, if you have a website or if you want to direct people to your Facebook page for more information. Yeah, our, our website is mainvocals.net, and uh, I'm on Donnie Christian on Facebook also. Um, and my telephone number is 696-8167 if you want to talk to me. Um, but people need to educate themselves about what's really going on. They actually need to read the bill, and they will find out that this is something that they do not want. If, if uh, we could vote on a good bill here in the state of Maine, the people would vote on that also. So, But the problem here is, is, is we, we have a dilemma where most of the, the citizens of the state of Maine, they want legalization so bad they don't care what they vote on. But, but they need to care because if this gets voted in, it's actually going to bring problems, and it's not going to end prohibition. They just need to search it out. The people are, are, are not going to accept 60 entities growing the major part of the marijuana for the state of Maine, and, and they're going to grow their own, and they're going to be subject to being arrested, period. And that's just the way it is right now, and it's not going to stop. If they think well, it the is, they're sadly mistaken. The initiative does allow for home cultivation, not just for cultivation by people that have licenses. Six plants. So, well, so, for, so there are individuals, if, you know, if yes on one passes, um, like in other states, you know, arrests for marijuana offenses have been down 90%, um, protecting those people's civil liberties, saving a huge amount of police and court time and taxpayer money. Well, it's guaranteed to save a lot of time as far as that goes, but the people that are going to be still harassed and imprisoned uh, are not going to be appreciative of this bill. And it's going to be a lot of people because, as I said, there's over 2,000 caregivers saying nothing about the people that are growing their weed illegally and just just selling it in the state of Maine. What we need is a free market enterprise that allows everybody to interact with the situation and grow what they want. If they yep. grow too much, they can't okay. sell it. Okay, I'm going to cut you both yep. off there because we need to uh, open up the phone lines for callers now, and we will continue the discussion. Don Christian, thanks for being with us, founder of Maine Vocals. Unfortunately, uh, we only have the two phone lines. We're going to keep Alicia with us for the rest of the hour because she's one of the people behind the bill, and she can answer any of your uh, or the referendum question. She can answer any of your questions, callers, if you have it about the bill. We have a copy of it, the um, legislation that goes along with it here in the studio. It's about 30 pages long. It 
is kind of complicated, so we want you to be able to get your questions answered. So, Don, thanks again for joining us. Uh, listeners, if you would like to call in and join us, you may get a busy signal. There's only going to be one phone line in, so be patient and keep trying. The phone number into the studio is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500 if you're calling locally. If you are calling uh, from outside the area and not on a cell phone, there's also a toll-free number, which is one 866 625-9378. And, and we have a caller already, so we'll go to the caller. I know that we have uh, both Renee and Tim also up on deck with more questions, I think, for Alicia. But uh, go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from, please? My name is Steve. I'm calling from Ellsworth. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the Hi. program. Hi. Um, this, is, this is so interesting. I've been going back and forth on this issue in my heart and in my mind for, you know, since it's, since it's come up a few years ago. Um, I'm a... Uh, uh, medical marijuana program um, participant, and I have a pretty good understanding of uh, of you know the benefits and, and the importance of uh, medical marijuana. Um, I do. I am concerned as a grandfather about the effects of you know the possible legalization of recreational marijuana that that would have on our kids, things like that. But Donnie brings up a great point as far as amnesty or something like that for the people that are incarcerated for, for crimes that would no, no longer be crimes. And I'm concerned that this bill doesn't, doesn't address that. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. We just don't have an avenue to make that happen. You know, the governor can give pardons. We, the people, cannot. So yeah. I think that's one of the... There's a lot of misconceptions kind of floating around out there about what this proposal would and wouldn't do and why it would or wouldn't do those things, and that's one of them. It's just not feasible to, to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I understand that it feels very unjust to have someone have something on their record or be sitting in jail for something that may be legal a couple months from now. Um, but I think, you know, this unfortunately isn't just not the, the, the solution to that injustice or to that problem. Um, and I would also say that the, I just want to make sure it's really clear to everybody that this initiative explicitly and intentionally does not touch means medical marijuana program. So it does not change the rights of patients, caregivers, or dispensary operators that currently are operating in the state of Maine. Good information. I would ask that the panel and that the listeners, you know, consider um, addressing the, the the issue of, you know, people who are incarcerated, especially but are otherwise affected in their lives by, you know, previous convictions for, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, these related crimes that were crimes that won't be crimes. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about here, and I hope that some advocacy can be directed in that direction. Thanks for your call, Steve. Thank you. Uh, Tim or Renee, both of you, I cut off at one point. You had further questions for Alicia, and we had to move on because Don was on the line. Uh, either of you want to follow up? Well, I'll just I'll just say, um, I, <laughs> you know, I wanted to clarify that um, addiction does not discriminate, you know, based on somebody's upbringing and demographics, anything. does not discriminate any walk of life. That's all. Um, Alicia, is marijuana addictive? In other words, if somebody stops using marijuana, do they go through withdrawals and things like that? Uh, there, you know, I think there's there's a lot of information out there around, you know, and some of it unfortunately conflicting. But again, marijuana is something that um, has been found to have tremendous medical benefit for a lot of people, um, coping with a variety of conditions, including things like 
you know, topical ointments that can help with wound closures um, and, you know, medications that are non-psychoactive that help people with their seizures. So there's a tremendous amount of uh, uses of marijuana that I just want to make sure people understand that are not about um, people getting intoxicated well, that's um, right. from marijuana. But isn't this so, one about recreational marijuana? No, this is about adult use of marijuana. There are many patients in Maine that, for a variety of reasons, cannot access legally the medical marijuana program, either because they don't have one of the few qualifying conditions or because they can't afford or find a doctor willing to provide them with a recommendation. So there are many patients who would benefit from, uh, from legalization. Um, and there are also patients who are concerned about having their, the fact that they're a medical marijuana patient on their medical records because of concerns around stigma or backlash from employers, for example. Hmm. Um, and what we know is the current system isn't working. And if we change the law, it will expand access for adults for, um, for medicinal and other uses and also, again, bring it behind the counter um, and, and protect our youth. We have another caller on the line. Uh, the number, if you're just joining us on Main Currents, is 469-0500. Write that down because you'll get a busy signal right now, but keep trying. 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. We have a guest on the phone lines, Alicia Melnick. She's the political director for Yes on One. One on the ballot in November here in Maine is going to read, Do you want to allow the possession and use of marijuana under state law by persons who are at least 21 years of age and allow the cultivation, manufacture, distribution, testing, and sale of marijuana and marijuana products subject to state regulation, taxation, and local ordinance? Caller, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, my name's Dennis, and I'm from Milo, Maine. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Um, I'm a a local caregiver, and I guess I've been kind of a thrown in the side to the yes on ones for a while um since i read i was behind the legalization bill when i first uh heard the that paul mccarrier had said about the legalization was going to be small farms because i'm a caregiver and then um you know 75 percent was going to be all small farmers they had us hook and cook by having us sign one petition and then turn around and get in the bed with the out-of-state entity mpp um mm-hmm. i've asked them publicly time and time again to have an open debate with me i've sent Alicia Melnick, emails, no response. I sent Paul McCarrier, emails. I've not received emails. You must have the wrong email for me. To come out of the, uh, and, and talk to us about me and Donnie Christian have uh, offered them openly. You know, uh, why Why do you guys want to have 800,000 square foot of growth space in the whole state? Why do you want to have fingerprints federally and have the FBI do a background check on something that's not yet federally legal? Why well, we want to admit your guilt to a mandatory minimum prison sentence just to do what we're already doing right now except for the adult use which i do understand i'm you know i'm a caregiver and i've been a grower for a long time i love cannabis we're also getting people off of opiates you know i've gotten eight people off of either methadone heroin or suboxone since i've been a caregiver here in maine and you know which is not a yes i'm one guy but it gets voted in so uh, the one of the major concerns that I know has been brought up by a lot of the medical marijuana providers, the small uh, providers here in the state, has been about the amount of grow space that uh, will be permitted for uh, reserved for small already in-state providers versus what would be open for anyone from a larger um, company who might want to do this. Can you address that issue, Alicia? 
Sure. Um, I just want to first say that, you know, uh, thank you for being a medical marijuana caregiver. I was integrally involved in writing and passing the medical marijuana law in Maine, and I think it's tremendously valuable for seriously ill Maine patients. But as I said before, there are many, many Maine patients who still cannot get legal access to cannabis. And especially in light of what you were saying about um, helping with opioid dependence, that is not an approved condition in the state of Maine. So someone who does not have something else that they can, you know, justify their um, recommendation for marijuana for would not have access to marijuana under current law. Yes, well, on one that. That. Well, yes, one would expand access and open access to all Maine patients who could benefit from use of, of, of well, cannabis. Um, I mean, so I think I that's think an important legal. piece to understand. I think people should have more access to it all the way around. Trust me, I'm, I'm for legalization. I'm just not for a bill that doesn't cover, doesn't cover, doesn't protect the medical program. For one, first and foremost, if you look at Denver when they came in and or even Washington State, let's per se, the ACLU and Normal came out there. Now they have no more medical program. They came in on the skirt tails of the medical program, and then they did away with. It. Now patients can't go to a caregiver like they used to there in Washington because they have to yeah. go directly so, to the dispensaries, you know. So Maine and is that, extremely that, unique. That, Maine yeah. is very unique. We have an extremely robust and uh, high-quality caregiver program in addition to the dispensaries, eight dispensaries we have across the state. Um, Mainers like to do things our way. I'm a Mainer. Uh, everybody I know that's working on this, in this initiative as a staff or a volunteer is a Mainer. And um, we have the ability to learn from other states and, uh, and to, to do it right for, for those of us in Maine who, um, who live here and, and care about, about this industry and, and it's being done right in Maine. So I think, you know, it's important for people to understand, too, that, that these licenses um, have been split up where there's a division so it protects the ability of small growers to continue to cultivate yeah, beyond the medical program. But I would again reiterate that it does there. not touch the medical program. So somebody who's a medical marijuana caregiver in Maine who is, you know, treating their patients and providing high-quality medicine is going to continue to be able to do that. Dennis, 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 do you have your radio on? We're getting a yeah. feedback loop. Turn that down first off. Okay. And then secondly, I'm going to have you just finish with whatever uh, last question, question you have so we can open up the phone line to more callers. you only got like 15 minutes left to the show. Awesome. One more question. Lisa, Thanks. while I have you on the line, um, is there a possibility before the next uh, November 8th election to have an open debate at Donnie Christian's field? It's uh, Freedom Field and Harmony. I'd like to have a debate with me, Paul Belden, and Donnie Christian with, against you, David Boyer and uh, Rob Campia, or even Paul T. McCarrier, so we can actually educate the people of the true bill. I, I, I can't make a commitment on behalf of the campaign to do that, but I can certainly explore that with you. And I, I did not ignore your email. If you've emailed me, you must have the wrong address because I have not seen anything from you. So I'm happy to get in touch. Um, you know, Paul knows how to reach me. It sounds like you, you know how to get in touch through him. So, so please reach out. I'm happy to talk to you. Well, every time I do, he's, he's okay. I'll, I'll try again for the thousandth time. But we'll see. Okay. Thanks again. Not and thanks for your, and again, thanks for your passion and commitment to this issue. I, I, I again say that I think we agree on way more than we disagree on. Thanks well, for your call, I, Dennis. If somebody that wrote the bill, I, I figured you would want to protect the medical program, not try to ruin it. 
Okay, let's, I do want to protect Okay, the let's, let's get some other callers on the line because we only have yeah. 15 minutes left to the program. Thanks yeah. again for calling, Dennis. The number is 469-0500. That phone line's just opened up. We only have the one phone line coming in because we have Alicia on the other phone line. So if you're getting a busy signal, the line is just opened up. Try back now. Again, 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. I wish we had more phone lines, and I apologize for the inconvenience. You're listening to Main Currents on WER. Are you? And uh, we're discussing question one on the main ballot. Do you want to finish that thought, Alicia, before we get another phone call coming in? Oh, again, I just think that's one of the real misconceptions about about the bill. Um, there's a lot of fear that it's going to influence the medical marijuana program in ways that would negatively impact patients or those who that have, that have invested resources into building these small businesses across the state. And I would just, again, make sure people understand that it doesn't touch the medical marijuana program and it will create even more opportunities for um, people who are really focused on seriously ill people to, um, to hone those, their ability to provide for those people's needs while expanding access to people who can't qualify under the program. All right. Anybody in the studio have a question before we take another call? Oh, if there's a call on the studio. Yeah. Dave Gouliet. Oh, no. Okay. You touch the microphone, I make you say something. <laughs> Go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is um, Laura, and I feel really concerned about the bill. I didn't really know anything about it, but it sounds like um, if it's correct that they're going to be 60, limited to 60 growers that are sounds like coming from out of state or big no big business or just for profit and i i you know i feel like that's really wrong like it's limiting like farmers like people who are farmers here or um to to you know more corporate business and who don't really care and might not be from maine at all so i i feel really concerned about that so there's nothing in the law that puts a cap on a number of, of cultivators. And in fact, the law specifically gives preference for main caregivers who have been participating in the medical marijuana program for two years. So it's actually a law that gives preference to Mainers, to people that have been in the state that have been engaging in the medical marijuana industry. And again, it does not touch the medical marijuana program. So caregivers continue to do what they've been doing um, and and what they're doing today, uh, even after November 8th, when this hopefully passes. So I, I think, again, what what the callers are, are saying is is they're hearing um, misinformation, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure why people are, are putting out misinform- misinformation, but there is nothing in the initiative that gives any preference for out-of-state growers, and there's a specific division. You know, those that drafted this law were very conscious and aware of of these sorts of concerns, and they they um, they put in a provision that that protects a certain number of uh, certain percentage of licenses for small grows under 3,000 um, square feet. So. So, again, there's provisions in the law that protect against the very thing that the caller is concerned about. Plus, we have a citizen legislature that really listens to their constituents. So, as with the medical marijuana program, we've had to continue to go back to tweak things, change things, to make things right for our state and right for our our people. And we're going to continue to have that opportunity um, after November 8th for uh, for this as well. Does that answer your question, Laura? Well, it, it, it... 
I don't, I'm not really sure because I still, it, it just doesn't sound right to me like restricting 60 people, you know, to 60 people or whatever. It, there it, is no, there is I, no I restriction that, to 60 people. I'm what? not sure where that, there is growers. no restriction to 60 people. I'm what? not sure where that's coming from, but there is no, there's no restriction to 60 people. And, and listeners, if you want to read the legislation, you can go to the Maine.gov website, uh, go to the Secretary of State's page, and and the uh, questions as a and actually, if you just Google Maine Ballot 2016, you'll get a link to that. The questions as they appear on the ballot are there, and then there's a little blue link that says legislation, and if you click on that, you get the small print that has to go into effect for the legislation for each of the initiatives to take effect. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, and take a few more calls if we uh, have any. Anybody else out there listening, the number is 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. Betsy Gerald has grabbed a microphone. I think she has a question. Well, I mean, Alicia, I, I, and I've talked to Paul McCary about this numerous times, and, I, and my, one of my concerns about the bill is the fact that it go, puts um, the regulation under the Department of Agriculture, and as someone who represents small farmers and deals with the Department of Agriculture a lot, I don't necessarily think that's a great place for it to be. Mm-hmm. So you want to address that? Is there a better place yeah. for it to be? Well, you know, I, I mean, DHHS is bad too. So, I think I think you just articulated the dilemma that that the drafters face. Um, you know, if you put it under DHHS, they don't really have experience with with dealing with how to, you know, how to regulate a plant. And if you put it in the Department of Agriculture, then you know there's some expertise that maybe they don't have. So I'm not sure that there's a perfect place to land this that everybody would agree is ideal. Um, but, you know, the implementation, the, the details of implementation, um, again, will continue to emerge. Um, the Department of Agriculture was chosen because this is a plan and this is something that is going to be being cultivated, and, and they, there was a belief that they had some, some very valuable expertise there. But they, they sure are going to have to, you know, get some expertise in other areas, um, and, and that, and I'm hopeful and optimistic that they'll be able to bring people on board that will help them implement the program um, successfully. Good luck. Well, we have a, have another caller. Uh, go ahead. What's your first name? Where are you calling from, please? Uh, Pete from Bangor. Welcome to the program, Pete. I, I was just wondering, is this a people's initiative? I, I was hearing Jesse Ventura last night, and he said these things have to be a people's initiative. Uh, do you know what I mean? I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, it's sure a citizen initiative it, referendum question. Yeah, this is a citizen's initiative. A, so citizen, was, a citizen's initiative. Right, okay, that was my question then. Yes, it is. So it was um, signatures were gathered from across the state um, by, you know, valid Maine voters. Oh, and okay, it, then and I, it, but then I heard this Don fellow indicating that an out-of-stater came in and uh, did some things that they didn't know about. Yeah, that's another kind of misconception. There's some confusion because there was initially two ballot initiatives. Um, this is the language of this ballot initiative um, was written by Maine people with, with input from a variety of stakeholders that have, um, you know, including caregivers, patients, dispensary operators, and others who um, you know, take part in ancillary businesses uh, with, the, with the medical marijuana industry. So. Um, and then again, you know, it was approved by Maine voters to, be, to get on the ballot. And the decision ultimately on November 8th lies with us, oh. lies with Maine people. Okay. Tim, Tim, Th- thank you. Thank you for your call, Pete. Tim Wilson has a, 
has a question for you. Hi, Alicia. Have, has any, have any numbers been done on what impact this would have on tourism in the state? Well, I think if you take a look at Colorado and, you know, some of the other states that have legalized, they've seen um, very positive uh, impacts on tourism, as well as, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of other ancillary businesses that are, that are local businesses. So things like HVAC, electricians, realtors, contractors, <clears throat> etc. So there's a lot of opportunity both um, in terms of tourism and for a lot of other businesses to benefit from from bringing this uh, industry out of the black market and and into a, a regulated um, environment. Go ahead, Tim. I'm, I'm sure there would be a boom on munchies. <laughs> uh, before we go to another phone call, uh, we may have time to take two more calls. But before we go to another call, uh, Dave Gulia, did you have a question? Okay. The Bernie Sanders supporter and the Donald Trump supporter were passing notes in the corner, and I really wanted to know what they had in common over I, there. I was just hey, looking. people together, right? <laughs> well, that's right. One of my favorite pictures from the campaign so far is I was at the I was working at the transfer station for Bernie, uh, just educating people and. A Trump guy came by, by from a rally, has this huge sign, and he and I took his picture together, Bernie versus Trump <laughs> signs. Anyway, it's good stuff. Oh, let's go to the call. Go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Welcome to Maine Currents. Thanks. This is Logan calling from Swanville. And I really, one of my big concerns with the initiative is that we currently have decriminalization of small amounts of marijuana. Two and a half ounces or less is a civil violation in Maine, not a criminal penalty. But my read of the bill, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alicia, but is that there's no civil cushion in between what would be permitted in terms of the amount you could, uh, an average citizen could possess and what would become criminal conduct. So we would be essentially giving up this civil cushion. So, for example, if two and a half ounces is going to be legal for adults to possess, it's not that if you have five ounces, it's a civil violation. It's that if you have five ounces, it's a criminal violation. So I guess I'm curious in terms of drafting why why we abandoned that civil violation question and how we feel about that. Uh, you know, that essentially we've just taken the decriminalized, you know, possession and made it legal and still are going to punish people criminally who happen to have more than two and a half ounces. Sure. Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I think there's there's some room for improvement um, in in the bill, but I don't know that um, I don't I don't know what what the sort of crafted solution for that might be. Um, the ACLU of Maine, who obviously I worked I worked with when I was working on the medical marijuana initiative, and is very concerned about people's civil liberties and um, you know criminalization of people through um, through marijuana possession charges, and and they are very supportive of this initiative. Uh, but I think, you know, could this, you know, I think our hope in part is that this is a step, another step towards that, um, towards people understanding that treating, treating marijuana, um, like a medicine, treating, taking this out of the criminal justice realm. And there are, you know, nearly 3,000 people that were arrested or cited for marijuana possession alone last year, um, who would have benefited from, from this law. So I think, you know, it's, it's a really good question, but, but broadly speaking, um, the current system isn't working, and this would at least protect many of those people that are currently being caught up 
in those charges that impact them long term. We are just about out of time, but Tim um, Wilson had a last question, on, I think. On the physical bill, uh, Section 2452 specifically says any Mainer over 21 can carry two and a half ounces, transfer it, they can grow six plants, all of that is, is uh, free. Correct. So it would make it, instead of someone being, being subject to a citation, which still means they show up in the police water, they have to show up in court, they have to pay a fine, it, it ends up on their record, um, it, would, it would protect those people and allow and from, from those sorts of consequences. All right. Anyone uh, have a very quick comment before we wrap up? All right. Alicia, uh, do you have a last comment and also contact information where people can get more information about your Yes on One campaign? Um, sure. So, again, I would just say, you know, marijuana is already widely available in Maine. Um, the current system isn't working, and Question 1 offers a chance for adults who do choose to mar- use marijuana or who need it for medical purposes to get it in a safe and regulated environment and generate much-needed revenue in our state for, for education and other important services. All right. And, com- and, and they, website? So, or Sorry, yeah, regulatemaine.org is where you can get some information and we have some lawn signs and bumper stickers so get in touch if you want any of that of that good stuff for for your car or for your home all right thanks so much for being with us today thank you for having us that's Alicia Melnick, the political director for Yes on Wine. That website, again, is regulatemain.org. If you didn't get a chance to get through today, don't forget we have our uh, WERU Community Soapbox on the third Thursday of every month. So that's coming up. That's 10 to 11 a.m. Call in on that. Today you've been listening to Maine Currents. I'm Amy Brown. Join me here every Wednesday at 4 o'clock for independent local news, views, and culture. I'd like to thank once again my multipartisan panel who managed to keep things civil, even though there are such a wide range of political beliefs in the room. They do they surprise me every week at how great they are at that. Betsy Gerald of the Green Party, Tim Wilson, who is a third-degree uh, Bernie Sanders supporter who's now leaning toward or going for Jill Stein, uh, Republican Dave Gulia, a Trump supporter and libertarian uh, slash don't put me in any category, Renee Trust, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Joel Mann, who engineered today's program. Uh, this coming Sunday, September 11th, from noon until 5 o'clock, there is going to be a Wabanaki-sponsored Standing Rock Solidarity Rally and March in support of the indigenous oil pipeline protesters in North Dakota. That will be taking place Uh, the indigenous folks who are protesting the pipeline. If I didn't say that, um, that didn't make sense. Uh, That'll be taking place on the waterfront in Bangor uh, from noon to 5 on Sunday, September 11th. We'll be there doing some live video for the WERU Facebook page, so if you can't make it, watch for it there. They also have a Facebook page uh, if you want to watch for Standing Rock or search for Standing Rock Solidarity Rally. But the following day, Monday, uh, September 12th at 10 o'clock, Donna Loring, the host of Wabanaki Windows, will be doing a special on that topic. So be sure to tune in for that. We'll be preempting alternative radio to make room for that in the schedule. And next Wednesday at 4 on Maine Currents, we'll be talking about the recent World Social Forum. Some of the Mainers who attended will be joining us and also talking about the upcoming anniversary of Occupy Bangor. There'll be events to mark that. So be sure to join us then. And the week after that, this group will be back together. Who knows what we'll be talking about? We haven't decided yet. Uh, Democracy Now! is coming up next, followed by Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg here on your community radio station, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. I'm Amy Brown. Thanks for listening. 
Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. You're listening to Community Radio WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. Here's a quick look at the National Weather Service forecast for the greater Bangor, Midcoast, and Downeast regions. Tonight, cloudy with patchy drizzle in the areas of fog, lower 60s, southerly winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. Thursday, mostly cloudy, some areas of fog and patchy drizzle in the morning, otherwise partly sunny in the afternoon, highs 75